Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we're going to present an introspective interview and forensic soul analysis on mentalist Jim Carroll. This gentleman's amazing. I've known him for over 10 years. I met him when I was a publicist for comedians and comedy clubs, and I got him on Howard Stern twice, and Howard was completely shocked at uh, Jim's talents. Jim's also been on NBC's Today Show. He's been on Ellen. He's been on Tonight Show. He's a regular coast to coast. And he's also being studied by some of the world's leading research experts on brain and, the, and how the mind works. So he's always on the up and up. He's always doing something interesting. And I'm really thankful we had a chance to have him on our program. Before we begin tonight's show, I want to give a special thanks to Miss Kara Elder, who wrote the sweetest email to me today talking about how much he loves the show and appreciates the show. Oh my God. It was just, it was awesome. It totally made my day. And Kara, in addition to, in addition to Kara, we've gotten some really nice emails from people and just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I mean, it's just so touching to, to know that people are, are listening and having fun with this program. And it is so much fun to do. So it is an honor to be on this journey of evolution with you, my friends. And we have many more shows to come. The Outer Limits of Minute Tooth Radio Show proudly presents an introspective interview and forensic soul analysis on Mr. Jim Carroll. Our guest today on the Outer Limits of Minute Tooth Radio Show is Mr. Jim Carroll, a cog mentalist that you may have seen on NBC's Phenomenon, The Tonight Show, Howard Stern, Ellen's Show, and he had a very uh, crucial moment in Jackass Part 2. Very uh, memorable saying, Mr. Carroll, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing unbelievable. So, Mr. Carroll, if you were to uh, discuss, what would you say would be some of your strongest mental capabilities? Wow, geez. You know, uh, the reason for the cogmentalist, I came up with that name because uh, uh, a regular mentalist is a guy that is a performer that doesn't mind reading show. Like, in fact, there's a TV show called The Mentalist. Somebody that has extraordinary, performs extraordinary feats of the mind is usually a mentalist. So I, I came up with cog mentalist because I'm really into the brain and memory and things like that. So I think that the, the thing that was the most difficult thing I ever did and, and what people really like are memorizing the 80,000 zip codes and, and memorizing every date all the way back to 1 AD. Those are some of my major accomplishments until today even that people still talk about. And so, as far as some of your mental capabilities go, can you please take us back to a time earlier in your life before you had um, some of your abilities? And can you please talk about the time when you apparently predicted the lottery numbers for your state and a bunch of people won and a bunch of people went crazy about it? Yeah, that was really... That was back in 1990, and and what had happened was uh, I had a show uh, at at Villanova University, and I, and I lived in Allentown at the time, Catas- a little town called Catasauqua. And when I went to sleep at night, uh, the phone rang, and I'm like, "Hello," and all of a sudden, the voice on the phone goes, "Jim, you were right. The Pennsylvania daily number on December 22nd was 222." And then I woke up, and I like, and I didn't have a phone in my hand. Back then we had phones, not cell phones, right? And I'm like, what the heck kind of dream was that? So I wrote it down, went to grab something, a cookie and some milk or whatever, and I went back to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I forgot the number. I didn't realize the dream, I, you know, because that's the way it is. And I'm getting ready to go to my show, and then my wife, all of a sudden, she, she comes into the 
into the into the uh, bedroom and she go and she said, Jim, what's this? And she hands me this note, and here is the dream that I wrote down. And and, and she goes, what's this? Two two two, December twenty second. So when I went to the show, I, I held up a piece of paper. It said, play two two two, December twenty second. And then I had like forty shows between that day, which was in early November sometime, and December twenty second. So here's here's the really cool part. So on December twenty second. I had a show that night, and I was going to go and stop and play the numbers, so I went in and bought two cantaloupes, and you know what the cantaloupes are for, you've seen my show, and the line was so big that I didn't have time to play my own number, and when I rushed home that night, I, I came in, and my voicemail, the light was blinking, and I hit the thing, and it says, you have 67 messages in your mailbox. I'm like, what the heck, usually I have six or seven lines, you know? And when I started playing the messages, the third message goes, Jim, you were right. The Pennsylvania Daily Number was two two two. It was the same voices in the dream. That was really weird. Wow. So now, with, when that happened, was that something that you were able to access parts of your brain? Were you able to do similar type predictions going forward from that? And why do you feel that happened? I, you know, I don't know. I have no answer for why it happened. But yes, to answer your question, I definitely began paying attention to dreams. I started writing my dreams down. Every time I woke up in the middle of the night on a dream, I would write it down, and I started doing, like, you know, a little research on my own. And I'll tell you what, I probably had about 50 or 60 dream structures since then. It's just bizarre. I mean, if people only knew, write down your dreams in the middle of the night, write, tape them and write them down, whatever is easier, because your dreams, you, you get a lot of answers in your dreams, I'm telling you. And, and then when I did research, I found out a lot of, a lot of famous people invented inventions from dreams and things like that. So the dreams are really so. Yeah, I I, it, I became more aware of my dreams and took took them a little more serious since that time. And that's when I really got into this. So it's really bizarre. Now your ability to remember vast amounts of information, recall memory, despite not um, engaging in a let's say Harvard type education, yet you're able to uh, grow your mind and you know become use your mind for so many different things. Why do you feel that is so, and what do you feel are some of the ways that somebody can improve their mind capability well, akin to yours, so what you're that's doing? That's a good question. The memory the memory stuff didn't happen until years later, uh, Ryan. I, I mean, I, I was never a memory guy. I mean, I barely made it out. You're talking to a guy that barely made it out of high school. I think I was the only one to ever get an F-1 in chemistry. I mean, so it's not like I was born a genius or anything like that. I mean, I... I had to go to summer school to get my diploma, for God's sakes, and then I, I flunked out of college my first time around. And So here's what happened when I was about to turn 50. Now, that's, that's an inspiration for, for people that think their brain goes downhill. Well, I had this, like, chest pain. So I went to the doctor, and I'm like, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, the guy goes, you have cardiomyopathy. I go, well, what the heck is that? He goes, because you have the heartbeat of like a 90-some-year-old person, like his grandfather or something was telling me. And then he said, I had an enlarged heart. I'm like, oh, boy, this is great news, right? So I go home, and I told my wife, that's it, no more Philly cheesecakes, no more hot dogs. I mean, I used to eat like so much food. And I started doing this treadmill, and the treadmill was so boring that I would start memorizing my cards. You know, I look at the cards. Five of hearts, six of five, six of hearts, diamond, seven of spades, eight of clubs. And I started getting faster and faster at doing that because, and I only did it to kill time on the bike because the bike was boring, right? So I started making up these flashcards, like the, the front, you know, uh, you know, like countries of the world, like Uruguay, Montevideo is the capital, Paraguay, something like Azerbaijan, Baku. And I started studying these things as I'm pedaling a bike, I'm doing all of this work, right? Then after that, I started writing down digits of pi, like two, four, five, 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 and, and I started memorizing a hundred digits of, of pi every day. So every day I would force feed my brain all this information, and before you know it, I'd have 30 miles pedaled on the bike. So it worked really cool. And all this energy, I was like, all this energy was coming into my body from doing this. So I had this really great system going, all right? I mean, I was memorizing things from Hall of Famers and football and World Series, Super Bowl scores, Oscar winners. I mean, I just kept chemical elements on the periodic table uh, of which I formed chemistry with the F-1, like I told you. So here, here, listen to this. To make a long story short, when I was turning 60, I was turned down for life insurance. 
So I asked the doctor, I said, hey, you know, I'm turning off because of this cardiomyopathy. I said, can I go in and get another test? And I said, and so they went in and gave me another cardio echo test. And anybody out there that understands what a cardio echo is, they'll know what I'm talking about. And I go in and it's the same doctor, all right, that, that had me 10 years before that when I was turning 50, like I said. And he looks at me, he goes, geez, you look younger than you did 10 years ago. And I told him the whole story about force feeding my memory and all this stuff, right? So he looks at me and I go, what's the matter? He goes, I don't see any cardiomyopathy anymore. Your heart's as healthy as mine. I go, wow. And then he goes, this is the first time I ever in my life seen a reversal of an enlarged heart. Wow. So that motivated me more than ever. Yeah. So is it because you access these aspects of your brain that your brain was running more more functional? And from that experience real quick, what are some of the three things that a person could do to immediately jumpstart their brain? To get their brain to, you know, to really function at a high I, level, I would begin to exercise your brain every day. You want to force feed your brain information. In other words, you want to push your brain like a lot of athletes push their body. A lot of Olympic athletes and NFL athletes, they push their body. If you push your brain, that's what I believe. If you push your brain. The, the results can be profound. It's amazing. But you've got to push it. Like if I say, hey, Ryan, what are the ABCs? You'll go, A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay, right? That, that's great. You remember the ABCs, but you're not pushing your brain because your brain already knows that. Your brain needs to receive new information, new memories every day, and that's what fires up your neurons. And is what I've discovered right now, I'm not I'm studying the brain, and, and I surrounded myself with some of the top neurologists, neuroscientists, neuropsychologist, and the more you push your brain, the more neurons or the birth of new neurons and everything else, like new memories, mine. That's what it's about. So I would, I would just push your brain. I don't care how old you are. Well into your 60s and 70s, you can still improve. I'm telling you. I mean, I'm in my 60s now, and I know more stuff now than I did when I was 59. I know twice as much. I just keep pushing myself every night. Every night before I go to sleep is when I usually study. And then in the morning, I review information that I studied the night before. It's pretty bizarre, I'm telling you. Like, like when somebody hires me for a show, they'll send me 150 people's names and birthdays, and I'll memorize them. And I put them through these lists. Like I, I like to call it an, a list of anchors. Like I'll memorize, like the first thing I ever memorized were like uh, a list of 100 movies. I, I li and to the movies, now, like, like if you give me a list of 100 people's names to memorize by tomorrow, I would put them in the movies. It's a really cool system that I developed. I'm calling it. So, so no, you have got all this information. This this fundamental system of memorizing, you know, lists of movies, lists of your cards. When you think about the fundamentals and the system for which you have to memorize that information, what other practical applications do you think you could utilize your brain capabilities for in order to someone to improve their daily life? Like, how can they utilize some of the brain ca well, capabilities and lessons that you teach in order to, let's say, for that, example, uh, make themselves stronger? Yeah, here, here, I'll give you an example. Like I, like I met a guy, his name was Tony Dettino. He was the founder of the USA Memory Championships, right? And he's there, wow, you should come speak with me at Florida Hospital and blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to go to Florida Hospital, you know, I'm going to memorize, I better memorize something that is, 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 you know, that they can relate to. So I, so I started look, going online. I looked up all the bones in the body. I never knew we had 206 bones, by the way, until I did this. You know, like your cal you like in the yank, you got your calcaneus tail, your cuboid and the vic. I mean, all these bones, and I started memorizing them. So it took me about four and a half hours, and when I went down, I could take a skeleton apart now, put it back together, know the name of every bone. So you could apply it to anything. Like if you have to learn the bones of the body, if you have to learn the the cranial nerves. Not I'm talking medical term. If you want to learn the brain, like from your amygdala to your hippocampus. To your, I mean, so yeah, you could apply it to anything you need to learn. Anything, once you form this matrix, this mental matrix, I like to call it in your brain, you could take anything and it sticks to it. It really, truly works. I mean, I just came from a convention in Buffalo and I was trying to explain it to a lot of people that want to get into memory and they do magic and stuff like that. It's so easy. It takes passion and that's it. You have to have the passion. You have to want to do it and you can do it. And I'll show you the way. I have a book I just wrote, by the way. It's called Beyond Emotional Intelligence. It'll be coming out soon on Amazon. And, and that well, we'll definitely put a link to it on our site. 
Yeah, it's just a brief thing of, of how to get into it. And then the next book I'm writing right now is called The Mental Matrix, which will teach everybody how to do this at any age. I don't care if you're – I'm helping my five, six-year-old grandkids, for God's sake, with this. I mean, so it doesn't matter if you're young or if you're 80. I have a guy down, down in the Fort Lauderdale, and he's 74 years old, and he's learning how to do this stuff. It's bizarre. And they, it's stuff they don't teach you in school. And it's all passion-related, and, and it's just it's not hard. You just have to want to do it, and you have to be able to put the time into it. All right? You, you can't just take a pill and all of a sudden have a great memory. But you have to have the passion for it, and, and you have to do this. And, and, and obviously, proper, proper nutrition is very important for your brain, too. That's where all your all your neurotransmitters. I mean, I could get into this. We, we, we had hours. I could tell you all about the neurotransmitters in your brain. Yep. Everything else Actually, Jim, you were just talking about or touched upon nutrients for the brain. And I want to ask you if there's any types of nutrients that somebody could take that would be good for the brain. Also, can you please share with the audience the importance of exercise? Because you would said that you were eating like 50 hot dogs a week, and then all of a sudden you start getting a treadmill and exercising. How how vital is exercise to brain function? My gosh, I, I believe that's everything. I mean, this con- I call it cognitive fitness. I'm sure if they look, you know, look at the brain needs to be, you need to exercise your brain just like you exercise your body. It is so important. And like I said, your brain needs to be pushed. It needs to be pushed because there's so much, you have so much in it. Like I said, I have more knowledge in my brain now. I, I never knew what GABA was, like gamma, that, instead of choline, dopamine, serotonin. I never knew anything about these neurotransmitters, right? And once you learn about this stuff, the more you learn, the more your brain expands, the more it wants to learn. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I didn't know. I'm, you're talking to a, a guy that worked in a steel mill, for God's sakes, and became a magician. I'm not supposed to know this information. I, I mean, some of these some of these people I hang out with right now, like some of some of these neurologists, and 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 like I have a guy I call. I don't want to mention names on the phone, but I mean, every week I call him. And say, What's this? What's happening now? Why is this happening? Where's this energy coming from? And it got to a point where I did the research myself and found out the answers. It's a bizarre. I would I would study MIT, Harvard, and Stanford, Mayo Clinic, all the different sites. And just and, and I started putting in, I mean, I don't recommend anybody do all of this. I mean, now, I mean, it started off as brain exercise, 40 minutes to an hour a day. Now it's like, I, I can't stop. It's just like, wow, I just want to keep learning more. And I just want to keep expanding the brain and learning about all this information. But it's all about exercise. Every time you open a book, every time you play a, a scrabble, anytime you do anything, that's exercising your brain. But you want okay. to you want to push it, okay? You want to push it as much as possible by learning new memories. Like if I tell you, Ryan, what's the capital of of uh, Madagascar? Right? If you don't know that, and I tell you it's Antananarivo, and that you remember that, you just pushed your brain to learn the new information. The more new information, see, most of us only learn new information when we go to school and college. You know, how about when you're, when you're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, people are out there playing golf, they're retired, they, they don't care anymore. You have to keep pushing that brain just like you did when you were younger. And that's what it's all about. And then what happens is your neurons don't die. See, we have 100 billion neurons in our brain. And after we reach, after we reach 30, I think as early as 35, 40 years old, they begin to die. And the older you get, the more neurons die. And if you keep making new neurons by this new memory, that's what will keep your brain healthy. This is what I've found right. out on my own, and now I have all these doctors around my life, you know, proving that that's exactly what's happening. It's bizarre. I've got a two-part question for you. The first one is this, is that when you say, you know, challenge your brain, some people will think, well, you know, I read because I, I look at, the, you know, things on my iPhone or I, or I I'll read the news online and, I want to know, is that something that's challenging your brain? The second part to that question is, what is the comparable difference in terms of strengthening your brain between actually memorizing something and recalling it as opposed to memorizing something and taking that knowledge you've learned and practically applying it into your daily life and actually utilizing it? 
Exactly. That's a, that's a, a very good question. And, and the latter part of what you just said is the truth. Uh, you you want to learn something that you could benefit from. All right. I mean, what's to me? It's all useless information. If I sure it'll make me, it'll make my brain healthy, and I'll, I'll have great cognitive fitness. But what's the good of it if you don't use it and apply it? And you can say that about anybody that goes to college. How many tens of thousands of kids go to college and they get all this information and never apply it to their real life? So, but, so that's very important. All right, it's very important to, to learn. Like, 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 let's go back to the skeletal system, for example. Like, okay, for me learning the Hall of Famers and, and the Super Bowl, where that's not going to get me anywhere unless I'm playing trivial pursuit or if I'm, in a, or if I'm talking with a bunch of NFL athletes and, and I want to be able, I'm good, I'll have that knowledge. That's great. But, like, if you're a, a nursing student or a, a medical student and you want to learn, like, the cranial bones and, like, the frontal, the occipital, the ethmal, the speed, or the temper, the parietal, you know, that's very important in what they're doing for their career, you know. And and so if you look at it that way, Ryan, yeah, that's that's exactly right. You want to learn something. If you're going to learn something, try to make it useful, like whatever you're doing. Or or, or even if, uh, I don't know, if, like a lot of people forget simple things like names of people that they meet. Oh, man, could you imagine how much? How much better your business is if you can remember everybody's name that you meet and things like that, and that's what you're capable of. Everybody, like a lot of, but this one 65 year old lady comes up to me at in, in a Florida hospital, and I was like, she said, "My memory's going bad. I forgot when I parked my car last week in the mall." And I go, "Well, what were you doing when you parked your car?" Well, I was talking to Sally on my phone. I pulled in and I walked in. Well, that's your problem. It's not memory. It's focus. You weren't focused. You're pulling your car and you're on the phone with your girlfriend, Sally. You walk into the mall, you're doing shopping, you're going to eat lunch, and you're on the phone again, and your mind's all over the place. And by the time you come out, you, you don't remember where you parked your car because you never focused on where you parked your car. It's about, see, focus is a key to memory. Focus in your attention. You always have to remain focused. I have focus exercises that I do and everything else because focus is not only the key to memory, it's the key to knowledge. You know, because if you don't have memory, you don't have knowledge, and if you don't have focus, you don't have any of those things. So it's really not as difficult as people think, and that's what I'm finding out, and I'm, I'm so happy. It's better late than never, Ryan. You know what I mean? That I found out now, oh. you know, it's a... Uh, so that's what I'm all excited about, the, 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 new, the newfound stuff that I'm doing with this, and I just want to spread the word to people, and it's as simple as... It could be as simple as taking a deck of cards and just looking through, putting one card aside and looking through the deck, and when you get to the end, to try to determine what that card was, okay? Now, what I do is to make it easier, I have a shortcut system of counting, all right? But just by doing that, Ryan, every time you shuffle that deck of cards, your brain sees a completely new pattern. It doesn't see the same old, same old like ABCDEFG. So therefore, you're putting a new memory in your brain because you have a trillion combinations. I mean, you could take a 10-year-old boy doing that right now. By the time he's my age, he'll have never seen the same uh, order of the cards twice. So your brain sees different information all the time, and it perceives it as something new. And that's what I – things like that. I have hundreds of these things I came up with. It's so bizarre, and it's so easy. And so, yeah, that's that's why I'm all excited because it, it's a youthful brain. I mean, it's almost like I stumbled on the fountain of mental youth. I'm in my 60s, and I have the brain of a 22-year-old. It's bizarre. So it's uh, that's kind of what I'm about, man. It's, uh... Mr. Jim Carroll. <laughs> Hopefully you're thank listening you so to... much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They could definitely work with people learn more about more more learn more about you. Yeah. Well, so uh, you know what? I'm a, I, my site is uh, jimcarroll.com, www.jimcarroll.com. And like I said, the book that will be coming out on Amazon, that one is going to be called Beyond Emotional Intelligence, and that's a whole other subject matter. Emotional intelligence is like kind of the ability to read, like the nonverbal clues that people fill out. You could read their, their, their situation, whether they're stressed out and how you could manage that and then managing your own stress as well, like turning your own stress into energy. 
I mean, this brain that we have on our head is phenomenal. We just got to learn how to use it a little more. It's like really bizarre. And it took me, it took me 60 years to know this. My God. Can you imagine the people that can figure well, this out now at 20? Yeah, right? maybe they can learn it now. Hopefully people listening to the show <laughs> yeah. learn it now. All right, Mr. Buddy. Jim Carroll, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is the queen of the universe, psychic media, Miss Carrie O'Connor. Learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor. Get a reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about Mr. Jim Carroll? I love Mr. Jim Carroll's energy. I'm excited about the books that he has coming out. And you know what, Ryan, when I just heard his voice, he embodies that saying, that famous old saying of all the truth lies within. And when I looked at his energy body, imagine tubes that are wide open like highways or they're literally narrow pathways that he is wide open to the mental body. And it looks like his mental body is like the Hercules form. It's like he's a big old um, muscle man having access to his mental body. And he's encouraging everybody. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. In his own story, I think it really will empower and help a lot of people exercise. And he said a key thing, that you have to be passionate about it and you have to work on it. There's no magic pill that's out there that you could take to improve your memory. Okay. And when you look at him and you feel his energy and his essence, do you give any kind of inclination that he's had multiple past lives, at least in the U.S.? and do you feel any particular past life that was traumatizing or any particular past life where he specifically came into this life to overcome? I, one that totally came up, the first thing was a traumatic one where he was a, a man on a farm, or a young boy in his late teens. There was a farm accident, kicked by a horse, had traumatic brain injury. He survived it. But can you imagine being in the bed, not being able to express yourself and in being aware of all the circumstances around you that's not too far back in his incarnational experience then i saw another lifetime where he was on the side of the bed it was over in europe and his father was in a coma and he was a doctor and he had knowledge of uh, wanting to connect with his dad and, and he felt that even though he was in a coma that he could still hear and and witness things, but he wasn't able to prove it. Everyone poo-pooed him. So he came in this lifetime as a man on the mission. I love that he didn't graduate from high school at first, or he always had to take summer school. He really addresses everybody from A to Z, those people that are Harvard-bound or those people that might have issues in school. It's never too late to exercise the brain, and I really believe in that. Now, do you feel that the brain in any way, shape, or form can incapacitate a person's capability of becoming more spiritual or more in touch with their spirituality because some people may, let's say, rely too much on their brain or feel that the confines of the brain are their limitations to their capability to learn and to grow. How do you, do you think that's possible? I, when I see that, Ryan, I'll look at somebody's energy field and I'll look like it looks like square boxes all on their energy field and the tubes are directly to their uh, left brain and they're very analytical. And the connection, imagine the midline of the brain to people that are very disconnected from the spiritual realms and even with creativity in the right side of the brain, it looks like that pathway can look like it's miles and miles apart in between the squareness of their energy field, which means to me they're locked into the mental body. They don't have that access to the right side of the brain and the creative side that they, it could block from their, they, they have to hold on to the analogical and um, just the, the left part of the brain. That's very, um, it's disconnected to the creative source energy. So long story short, answering your question, yes, I believe it can interfere. I, I've had many clients that were, Harvard graduated, um, graduates, uh, computer people or scientists or chemists that have come to classes for healing because they had to because they were sick or somebody in the family was sick. And it was hard for them to really dive into um, that right side of the brain, that creative part. To them, it was like they're jumping off a cliff and they didn't have their safety net. Wow. And as far as Mr. Carroll's guides, are there any particular guides? 
that stand I out at you? Is he... His father and grandfather just standing behind him and a great uncle or somebody, a male that was like a godfather to him that was very influential. And this guy was very good with his hands. He also had trouble in school. He could have been dyslexic, but Jim was really connected to him when he was a young boy. So that's the family guys around him. I also see whenever somebody has that real strong yellow energy with like a sword up, there's a strong connection to Archangel Michael who helps us cut through any kind of barriers or any kind of um, blocks that we could have. So so those are the people that are guiding him. Miss Carrie O'Connor, the queen of the universe. <laughs> to learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and get a reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at CarrieOConnor.com. Thank you so much, Miss O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. It's always a pleasure. Joining us now is the Astro astrologer, Miss Constance Dallas. You can learn more about Miss Dallas and get your chart done with Miss Dallas by going to her website at ConstanceDallas.com. Miss Dallas, what can you tell us about the psychic madman, Mr. Jim Carroll? Um, does he call himself a psychic or does he call himself a mentalist? I think he calls himself the Psychic Madman. That's his nickname, but I believe he's a he's a um, mentalist. Yeah, interesting. Okay, um, this is why I ask uh, because he does have quote unquote psychic powers, but psychic powers are really the exercise of the subconscious and observation um, that inherently everyone has but some people develop it um, more acutely. Uh, he is in Aries, uh, with also Venus in Aries, and I'm sure that this has been a very uh, up-and-down period of time for him. But the um, occult and his gifts, so to speak, come from his Pisces moon. So this is fire and water, and the the Aries is very much a showman, kind of putting it uh, forward with lots of energy, high energy, high high energy, and the Pisces moon is is incredibly perceptive in um, feeling out uh, subconscious um, or un, sometimes unconscious uh, waves of uh, information. We'll put it that way: intuition, intuition to the max. So these two in combination are very um, engaging and also kind of tantalizing the way when we look at magic tricks uh, when we were a kid, we, we, we want to believe, we do believe, and then we get older and people say, oh, I know how he did that trick. But <laughs> that kind of doesn't make a difference here because his, his uh, showmanship and his perceptions are, are really razor sharp, razor sharp. Um, now, at the current time, and I should say that I think he has studied a lot of the traditions of the great magicians and the occult traditions, of, you know, since Nostradamus. Um, he has a very close connection between Saturn and Neptune. And that is a challenge um, in the following way, the quote-unquote real world, the meat and potatoes world, the the rules of the earth, meaning um, how you concretely manifest things, especially things like money. Um, yeah, he's not so interested in them. I'm sure he does all right, but but he he has a uh, fine distinction between the realm of the spirit and the realm of the earth and uh, that see not, not seesaw but that controversy in his life has been uh, throughout his life um, and uh, it may um, it may account for some of his success and then it may account for some um, challenges to so, why things on the material plane I'm, I'm have confused. gone I'm, the way they've gone can you please elaborate on that a little more yeah. that because he, he, is there an imbalance between um, where his where he is as far as his conscious con focus of consciousness? Oh, uh, hmm. well, I, I don't know. Uh, imbalance as far as his conscious. Yes, okay. For, for, in the way you 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 mean it, I believe. I 
I know how you mean it. Yes, because um, uh, one part of his of his chart kind of charges ahead, and the other is more tuned into, let's say, the intangible dimension. And balancing those two things is um, not so easy. So it's more interesting to be in the intangible realm, the realm of magic, and um, the the realm of concrete. I, I think about it this way, you know, some people just can't fill out forms. This is such a stupid example. But they look at forms, and it just makes them crazy. Like, what? They want me to put this here? And the organization <laughs> of material in that way is, is, is really disturbing to them. My husband is like this. And um, I have no problems with forms. I, sometimes I lie. Sometimes I don't. But Jim's chart is quite imaginative and I would imagine he doesn't like form so much. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a higher consciousness or just um, uh, a higher amount of imagination. Based on his chart, and you look about the day and time, well, the day he was born, what would be some of the challenges that you would be able to garner that he was supposed to come in here to learn based um, on that? The controversy chart. between... Um, the warrior, Aries, charging ahead, and the more reflective, sensitive, receptive um, Pisces moon, which probably had a lot to do with magic, but spiritual magic in times past. For example, alchemists, which we now say, ha, ha, you know, they thought they could turn lead into gold, but these were the first chemists. And the unity of body, mind, and spirit that the alchemist pursued was um, was was a legitimate area of study. It wasn't just the party game. So he has that in his DNA, you know, past lives uh, um, included. And um, now the the challenge is to kind of put put it forward in a way that. Um, one, he can make a living, which is kind of important, and and also um, bring the the aura of that magic to to other people. It confirms the spirit. It confirms the spirit. Okay. And as far as these two massive spheres of influence that are in his life, are they kind of pushing and pulling at each other? Is there any way that Jim can align them? to be where they're both on the same page and they both kind of yeah, boost them to a yeah, different level. Yeah, sure, of course. If they're not at odds, um, I'm sorry for the static, but um, they they uh, he, he has to know when to fill out the forms and when to say, oh, screw it, uh, I'm going to do something imaginative. And if he manages those two kind of poles of, of hard and fast Saturn-like step-by-step work and intuitive flights, which is Neptune, it's a it's a, a very powerful combination. And I'm sure he has a lot of fun at it when everything's kind of cooking. I've never seen him perform, but I'm sure he's a wonderful performer. He is exceptional. Yeah. Just like you, oh, Ms. Katsalis, <laughs> the astrophenom. Thank you so much for your great, insightful analysis on Mr. Jim Carroll. My pleasure. And to learn... Oh, and to learn more about Miss Dallas, to get a reading with Miss Dallas, please go to our website at constantdallas.com. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Joining us now is the cowgirl clairvoyant, psychic comedian, Miss Lisa Kaza. To learn more about Miss Kaza, get a reading with Miss Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com. Miss Kaza, what can you tell us about Mr. Jim Carroll? Mr. Carroll, he has a very interesting energy to me. And this is one thing I'm going to say is I absolutely love being on our show because all the time I seem to get introduced to concepts that open my own mind. A lot of things that, you know, I'm being taught a lot doing this show. Um, But for starters, I'll say uh, Mr. Carroll, like he's he's got a very strong and steady personality, very determined and focused in his beliefs too. Um, he, he loves challenges, mysteries, 
and the unknown or, of course, the unexplainable. And what I pick up on him is that he, this is part of his personal purpose, I guess you could say, is that he seeks to understand what's below the surface of whatever it is. There's people, things, or events. So I notice that due to, the, due to this, he's rather stubborn where he seldom accepts just simple explanations or, or easy answers. He's quite analytical. and He has to figure everything out. Now, this is where I say that I learn so much from, from doing our show. Um, the most immediate thing that really hit me was his spirit itself. It, he's a star person. And people that know me know, like I, I call myself the skeptical psychic. I always have to analyze and question things, especially when I don't have a lot of knowledge or experience with certain concepts. And this is one of them. Because over and over, I actually heard the actual planet that Mr. Carroll's spirit originates from. What is that? Well, I, I kept hearing over and over and over again, Maldek, M-A-L-D-E-C-K, Maldek. That's the way I, I wrote it out. And from what I was shown was um, this particular planet, I don't know when, uh, it was actually destroyed a long, long, long time ago. And, but it was actually within our, our own uh, solar system, I'm being told, like just past Mars, in between Mars and Jupiter. And it's, you know me by now, Ryan, I hardly get very specific, especially when it comes to star, star beings, and I just don't right. have that knowledge. Just, may I pause you for just one second? Mm-hmm. When you came with the name Maldek, were you even aware about it at all? Absolutely not. That's why okay. I said. That's why I said I, I was, you know, I'm skeptical. I'm a skeptical psychic, and I just, but I couldn't ignore it. I had to write, you know, okay. I make my notes. So, well, I would like to just pause right now and just let the audience know that I just did a quick search for the planet in question, and it turns out there's actually quite a bit of information about it, about it being a legitimate planet. So that's pretty oh, wow. fascinating that you come up with that. And for the listeners, you want to explore it more. Do a search for the planet called M-A-L-D-E-C-K. A ton of information came up on it, so it should open up a whole other door of discussion. But I didn't mean to interrupt you, Ms. Kaiser. Please continue. Oh, no, that's perfectly all right. I like getting that validation, so that that's awesome. Right. Holy crap. Um, that actually blew me away. Um, anyways, as a result of where his spirit originates from, he's highly evolved. Uh, you know, with the, especially when it comes to the brain function and, and, and intelligence. Now, common knowledge is that all of us humans, what we use, what is it, like 3% or 5% of our brain, something like that, something insane number like that. Well, he has a much higher percentage where when he was incarnated in, in this lifetime, there's you know, a large percent of his brain that was already turned on, so to speak. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he he was left-handed or ambidextrous. That would be one clear sign of that as well, not to mention all of his astounding abilities that he's he's done. Um, So pretty much he's actually here to teach others to open their minds more, to, to help them uh, reactivate, so to so to speak, the, those unused portions of the brain. That's where a lot of uh, uh, of the abilities that he has comes from. What can you tell us about Mr. Carroll's past lives, and what do you see as his last lifetime on Earth prior to this one? Well, past lives, I was shown. Again, it was just all flashes, but it's mainly because he's had so many. But what I find particularly interesting is that the majority of Mr. Carroll's past lives have all been native. So, like, I see a lot of uh, North American Indian. I've seen Incan, not Maya, Inca. I've also seen him being in Australia, as an Aboriginal in Australia, um, most of those lifetimes, he was a teacher, healer, and seer 
for pretty much all of them. Um, I was even shown that one past life that wasn't uh, Native, uh, I can't say American, Native American, because <laughs> many different Natives in general. Um, there's uh, ancient Celtic, Irish ties. Uh, so, uh, like a, he could quite possibly be an ancient Druid, because uh, he did. A, he was a teacher of the old religion. And another one is he was a, a, an Egyptian farmer. Um, farmer. Yeah, yeah. Farming what though? I, yes, I'm just, they could grow any farming. Well, it, it's mainly livestock. So you know, like cows or sheep or like it, it's animals. He he's got a very strong strong affinity to animals. So it doesn't surprise me that he he raised them. You know, he took he was a caretaker of of animals. Um, the most recent of his past lives again, I am being shown. Native, but this time it is most definitely Native American. Um, I'd have to say mid to late 1800s. I and I'm getting the sense that what happened here, it's not. Um, he he passed on relatively early uh, in his teens. I'm feeling because the sense that I have is that. He was one of the unfortunate to have been taken from their families and forced to be in these uh, um, these uh, what do you call them residential homes. Do you feel that Jim Carroll has learned the lessons that he was here to learn? Is there more that he should be focusing on? What is what should he be doing to reach his spirit's purpose of evolution? Well, he's he's actually one of and this is another part where I say, you know, it's interesting. I get uh, introduced to so many different wonderful spirits. Uh, him, like, I don't feel that there's too much more for him to learn. It's more so all about teaching for him, teaching others. And so, you know, his purpose, as I had mentioned earlier, is to help uh, teach others to open their minds more, to help them reactivate the unused portions of their brains you know, get them more highly evolved. He he just started with this in this in this lifetime. Uh, he's definitely not done. So he's being strongly encouraged by divine, his spirit guides. One of which I feel is in fact also uh, of alien form. Um, he's he needs to keep focusing more on the seriousness aspect of his abilities and gifts and and purpose as opposed to entertainment he he's done the entertainment but that that's part of it too is that i felt that in the early days like his spirit was very becoming very frustrated because he wasn't taken as seriously but the thing is so you know going back to when he was born the thing is that the concepts that he's teaching had to be introduced in that way whether you know whether it was entertainment and and and, and so forth, just to start, it's it's just the beginning. So now for the, the remainder of this lifetime, he is to solely focus on the seriousness of the teaching, which I do feel he's he's doing. Um, but he's going to get much 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 more involved. He's going to be even more um, significant or pronounced within the next, I'd have to say, five years. Uh, I do also feel that he will be returning in, as in another lifetime, and but this the next lifetime there won't be no introduction like there was in this lifetime. Next lifetime he's going to be jumping head first right into the teaching, and but that makes total sense because a lot more people like even in this day and age they're opening more and more and more to the possibilities. By that time that he's reincarnated once more. Uh, it's it's going to be a hundred times more in terms of the numbers of, of people that are ready, willing, and and able to receive the teachings that he has to teach, which are extremely important, by the way. I mean, come on, we have this full brain that we only like ninety percent of it isn't used. Well, let's oh, quit wasting space. Let's get working on it. Exactly. This is a question based on what I know about 
Jim. I know that him and his wife are pretty big fans of Steven Tyler. And just curious to know, does Jim Carroll or his wife have any previous past life connection with Steven Tyler? Steven Tyler, that's an interesting twist. Yeah. Um, let me didn't see. Didn't see it coming, you... audience, did you? Yeah. I thought this was going to be a analysis. You were just thinking about metaphysical growth. Didn't see <laughs> Tyler coming. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm. You put me on the spot, but I'm actually. I am actually getting something here for sure. Okay. But I don't think that uh, it, it'll. I'll just be blunt, like I usually am. What I'm being told, I'm not seeing it, I'm hearing it, is that uh, Jim's wife was actually married <laughs> to Steven Tyler, and Jim was, uh, <laughs> this is a, it's funny, that's why I'm giggling, Jim was um, Steven Tyler's sibling. And so there, but the thing is, here's what the interesting part is. I'm being told that there was a bit of a, a triangle going on between the three of them, where Jim, I feel, was quite jealous of his, his brother, and because he felt a lot of adoration for the wife, even in that lifetime. So it was meant for this lifetime for the two of them to be together. That's why they are together, because they couldn't be together in the previous lifetime. That was totally not expected. Very interesting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Lisa Kaza, the cowgirl clairvoyant. You can learn more about Miss Kaza. Get a reading with Miss Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com. Thank you so much, Miss Kaza. Oh, thanks for having me, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Intertooth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guest, Mr. Jim Carroll. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Intertooth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.